Welcome to Miami Creators. I am your host, Corrado, and I am a photographer here in beautiful, sunny Miami, Florida. And each week, I bring you the inspiring stories behind Miami's most influential businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs, and more. Today, we are joined by Hector Antunias, aka Mr. Ventures. Hector is a serial entrepreneur, owner of DOG Hotel Franchise, part owner of Baru Urbano, Pincho Factory, Brickle Living, in addition to playing a part in many other businesses. On today's episode, you'll hear Hector and I talk about what he looks for in businesses to be a part of, dealing with failures in business, adapting and changing with the times, and much, much more. Please sit back and enjoy this insightful and fun conversation with Hector. Hector, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Dude, so first of all, I have to tell you, I don't know how many times your name came across as I was doing research for other people that I'm having on the podcast or that I've had on the podcast. Like your name just kept coming up. Mr. Ventures, Mr. Hector, Mr. I'm honored. Dude. And I all mean, of this. I and guess I was it's like, working. The more know? I looked into you, I was like, okay, I definitely need to have this guy on the show because <laughs> he's like quietly working behind the scenes in Miami on everything. So. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's good to know because sometimes you don't even know, you know, if people are talking about you. So, I mean, I guess like, it's been working. What I'm no, doing, it's, so. it's, it's definitely working. So. For the listeners who may not know who Hector is, why don't you give them a little bit of a background story of what you do, all the things you've got going on? Okay. Uh, I don't want to bore people, but I guess I'll be quick. I've been here in Miami for 17 years. I went to FIU, Miami-Dade, you know, which makes you a real local. You know, if you're, you know, if you live in Miami and you didn't go to <laughs> FIU or Miami-Dade, you, you know, you're not from Miami. Yeah. I mean, I, I went to FIU. I graduated for business finance. And I've had the entrepreneurship, you know, blood on me since I was little. I did a quick stint at a private equity firm after I graduated. Then I started, I syndicated the money for the first Baru Urbano, which was in Brickell. It was like a legend, you know, uh, still going on. Two locations still at 10 years later. Uh, I started Dog Hotels with some friends seven years ago, which is a dog hotel chain. We've had, we have four open right now. Three are slated to open this year, so it's seven, which is great. It's a great franchise, very easy to operate. If you guys are looking for a small business to, you know, to start, and check it out. And they're all here in Miami? or Yeah, all here. Doghotels.com. I jumped in Pincho Factory with some friends too, five years ago. Pincho is a great success story in Miami. What else do I do? Well, you know, I partnered up with Juan, Juan Marco now in Brickle Living. It was like four months ago. I do commercial real estate. I jumped in Mexico last year in the next Tulum, apparently. It's called Bacalar. Okay. It's uh, the Lagoon of the Seven Colors. So, yeah, that's cool. What are you doing there in Mexico? We are actually, we're buying land, which is not private. And you have to go through a process to make the land from public to private. It's like a real estate play. Right. Uh, but it's beautiful. I mean, if you guys don't know it, check it out on Google, Bacalar. It's amazing. Thinking about building residential? Probably or hotel. Okay. Yeah, probably hotel. It's a land play, but hotels are very scarce. Like the locals in Mexico, which used to go to Tulum, you know, five, six years ago, it's becoming so commercial that the next local spot is becoming that apparently. So we're excited about that. And right now I'm finishing syndicating money for an avocado finca in Colombia. I'm actually leaving Thursday. I'm going to baptize my son over the weekend. I check out the fincas. I mean, that market is just booming. 
the avocado. Yeah. It's just, it's a human right. <laughs> it's hard to find something nowadays that doesn't have avocado. In exactly. It. <laughs> no. And, uh, and you see all the trend, dude, the veganism and eating healthy, yeah. you know, global warming still like people stop eat, stop eating meat and, and, yeah. and chicken and pork. What do you eat? You know, if you're not eating that, you have to put avocado on everything, dude. Well, the other day, my wife gets home and she goes, hey, try this, um, this chocolate brownie. I'm like, cool, chocolate. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Grab it. What do you think? And I was like, it's okay. It's not your best. You've definitely done better. And I feel kind of by it. Yeah, that. You, <laughs> never, like, you never tell your wife it's bad. <laughs> never. I was like, I like it. Don't, don't get me wrong. I like it. But I feel like you've, there's other, other recipes that you've done. And she's like, I actually didn't do that. And I was like, Okay. It's like, it's made of avocado. Somebody gave it to me. And what? Whole thing. And I was like, okay, now not knowing that it was avocado, like that is amazing. Exactly. He's like, there's, that's it. That's, that's like it. Yeah. Full avocado. And the I'm greatest like, avocado brownie you've eaten in your life. <laughs> Holy crap, dude. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. So no, there's, I mean, there's restaurant chains that are starting right now that just sell food with avocados. There's sauces that are made from avocados, like even oil. My wife buys avocado oil now. She cooks with avocado oil. So it's nuts. I mean, and, and the scope of the market is just billions of dollars. Um, Asia is just starting to consume avocados. Mexico used to be 90% of avocados eaten in the U.S. five years ago. Today, it's just 70. And not only because they can support the growth of the market, but um, because they have a lot of problems, you know, like with, uh, you know, the drug-related, yeah. nar narcotrafico and all that. So... A lot of countries in Latin America are starting to, to grow. It takes a lot of time to, you know, to get the fruit. It takes around three years of work for the trees for the to, harvest. yeah. But after, you know, they give fruit, you have 25 to 30 years, you know, with a few harvests a year. So wow. it's a cool business. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty much, you know, all over the place. When I, when I, I see a trend, I, I usually follow it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I love Miami, you know, it's been home for me for, more than half of my life. So excited to be here and tell the story. So you mentioned all of these things with Baru and Pincho and some of these names that are so widely known in Miami. Why don't you share a little bit of the story of how you got involved in those things? And, and then maybe we can go into a little bit of how you as an investor and as an entrepreneur, how do you decide the things that you're going to get involved in? Like, are there things that you're looking for always in, in the businesses that you get involved in? All of that. I think the story has to begin with what's common about all these businesses, you know, and, and what qualities have permitted me to go into them. I think, you know, one of the qualities that I would say I have is persuading. I'm a, I'm a sales guy, you know, and most of these deals happened because I was a part of the deal that convinced people, investors, put the money there, you know, and that has been a, something that repeated over and over these last 10 years in a lot of businesses for me. That's why, you know, the plan later on is to start a small venture capital firm, you know, and start raising money and start getting into all these cool ventures. So, for example, Baru was presented to me by one of my coworkers at that time. He's like, hey, you know, I know some, some guys are opening a, a bar. It was a restaurant. Yeah, it was a, like a Colombian restaurant, right? right? And I saw where it was, and I used to go to that French place all the time. I loved it. Oh, they're going to buy it, and you're going to build all this. And I'm like, hey, how much money are they looking for? No, like $900,000. And, you know, what, what's the split? You know, we start talking about all those technicalities. And then I look at him and I'm like, you know what, let's, let's get all the money. And we'll negotiate at better conditions, you know, and we'll call some friends and, and investors that we have. And so we did that. The business starts. The restaurant is a freaking disaster, like a fucking mess. 
Uh, but one of the partners uh, had a lot of experience in nightlife, in the beach. Uh, so the nights were always amazing, you know. It's like, what is this? You know, the restaurant sucks, but the, the bar is booming. So the business started evolving into a bar, into a nightclub. Um, Baru has probably been, you know, the best MBA I've ever had. I mean, it's a uh, living proof that brands are everything in the F&B world uh, and bad partnerships you know, our recipe for disaster. I mean, yeah. I've had so many fights, split with partnerships, losses. Like it's been, you know, yeah. I've learned so much. Uh, 10 years later, I can say it's probably <clears throat> as an investment was a little tough for me. I mean, I, we opened five, I think five or six, you know, at a certain point. But the lessons that I've learned are, are humongous, you know, with right. Baru. Um, that gave me the chance, obviously, to, open, you know, DOG hotels, Duck Hotels. Even Pincho Factory came about because I invested in a tech startup a while ago <clears throat> that was sold to, to another startup in New York. And in one of the board meetings, there was another investor called Otto, Otto Othman, which is the co-founder of Pincho Factory. At that time, Baru was huge, you know. Everybody knew what was happening with Baru. Uh, and he just opened his second location, the one in Coral Gables. And he was talking to me about this burger joint, burger joint. I'm like, yeah, yeah, great, man. You gotta come check it out. I'm like, yeah, when I have time, I'll pass by for sure. But, you know, we were becoming friends in board meetings. And one day I was getting um, letters because my residency, I got it through an um, extraordinary ability visa. I needed recommendation letters. I call Otto. I'm like, dude, what's up? He's like, what's up? I need a favor. He's like, what? I need a letter that you're recommending me. And I gave you all this, you know, info and I helped you develop Pincho. So I need a letter. <laughs> Send me a letter. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to give you shit. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why, dude? We're partners. You know, we, we're friends. Because, dude, you know, I've invited you to the restaurant like a thousand times. You, you never go. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Where are you? I'm Let's like, go get some burgers. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to go there right now. He's like, fine, I'm here. So I went there. I went with my friend Alejandro. We're crossfitting. And he started pulling all this food, you know, and fries and burgers. And I'm like, dude, this is amazing, you know? Uh, we should open one in Brickell. And he's like, right. I was thinking about that. And I'm like, yeah. So we started drafting a deal. Uh, you know, long story short, they did like a polling in their social media. And Brickell was like number five. You know, Hialeah was number one where they wanted the next one. Wow. So what we ended up doing is that I got together with a few friends. We pulled some money and we opened Hialeah. And we kept a percentage of the brand, you know? That was five years ago, probably. Yeah, more or less five years ago. Today, there's 12, 13 locations, you know? That's crazy. It's taken to, it's another, a whole nother level. For me, the one that got away, that I always, everybody has, you know, a deal that, you know, they didn't you know, do. And, and you're like, oh my God. Um, probably when we were opening the second Baru in Doral, uh, Winwood was starting to happen. And I just opened, uh, the first DOG was in Winwood, you know, okay. like back in 2013 or 12. Winwood was still rough, you know, yeah. a lot of hype, but rough. Yeah, a lot of people don't remember when yeah. you, you didn't go to Winwood unless you lived in Winwood. Unless, like, no, <laughs> like, or, or, or you had to go, you yeah. know. There was like two restaurants. I remember when Wood opened, DOG was open. And I was like, dude, it would be great to open a brewery. That was like the hype of the craft brewery in the U.S. was 2012, 13. You were all these articles everywhere. And I was sitting in construction 
in Doral. And I'm like, dude, that's it. I'm opening Winwood Brewery. Fuck it. I Google it. I'm going to buy the domain right now. The domain is taken. I'm like, fuck. Freaking go to the website. It's like a rough website. Oh, we have a project of building a brewery in Winwood. And I'm like, fucking shit. So I, info, info, email right now. Hey, what's up, bro? My name is Hector. I'm super interested in your project. I want to meet with you. And they reply like 10 minutes later. I'm like, hey, what's up? My name is Lewis, you know, the, the owner right now. Cool guy. He's my friend. Love that guy. Uh, but that's how we met. It's like, okay, let's meet tomorrow. You know, fine. We met at Jimmy's Kitchen. That was a while back. I was baby, dude. Anyways, I meet with him. He was with his dad because they both started the brewery. His dad was retired. His dad was the one that taught him how to make, you know, beer at home. Nice. So we started talking and they were starting. They didn't have anything. They're like, no, we're looking for 1.5 million. And I'm like, okay, how much equity are you guys giving? Oh, no, we're not giving anything. It's a loan. I'm like, you can't. Nobody's going to give you money like that. Like, what do you, you mean? You got to go to the bank for that. <laughs> yeah, you got to, or either you go to the bank or like you have something to like leverage out of it, you know? No, no, no. I'm not giving you anything. So whatever. We met, you know, we spoke, we became friends. Then uh, we didn't make a deal, which... I was an idiot because, I mean, for me, that was an opportunity because you see what happened with Br uh, Brooklyn uh, Brewery. You know, it's a freaking institution. Yeah. That's what's happening with Winwood Brewery right now. Yeah. So anyways, we became friends. We would meet up, you know, at the ecosystem of entrepreneurship in the 2010s was definitely Panther Coffee at Winwood. That's everything was happening there. You, you hear real estate <laughs> deal on one side, a guy with a startup on the other side, you know. Everybody that was doing something in Miami was there. Like the little Silicon Valley of literally. <laughs> of Miami. That was Silicon Valley, you know? So we'd always meet up there, you know, and tell me how he was doing. He took, took forever, you know, to, to open that place. He was the first brewery in Miami, in South Florida, I think. So he went through a lot of trouble. Anyways, he sold it last year to, you know, to InBeb, to, uh, you know, a um, company Budweiser. And that was a great success story, you know? Um, so through all of these deals, you know, all of these things that have gone amazing, some stuff that you realize could have gone better. What are some of the lessons that you're, that come to mind when, when looking back, what are some of the most important lessons that you've learned? Probably, you know, um, intuition, it's key. Like you gotta, something always tells you if something's going to go right or wrong, you know, partnerships are probably the most important. I mean, ideas, like if, if there's a great idea in the table right now and you and I are not sinking, that idea, it's, it's going to have problems, you know? So I would bet on partnerships before ideas. I mean, great partnerships can create something great. Ideas change, ideas evolve. You know, some people start with an idea. They're married to that dream. And then on the way, you know, you realize you have to adapt, you have to pivot, you have to be flexible. You know, you have to be open to deviate from the, the initial plan because it's never going to be like the initial idea. Right. Um, so partnerships over ideas, number one, follow your intuition always. And something that I've learned lately is that partnerships don't have to be best friends for life. You know what I mean? Because partnerships, which I am, you know, I'm, I'm the first one that tells you that marriage, for example, is a perfect partnership. Like you have to marry somebody, uh, obviously you have to like her of course. or like him, whatever. <laughs> hopefully you she know. likes you too. Yeah, hopefully she likes you too, but... <laughs> Yeah, that's key. I mean, both you, you, know, you both have to like each other. No, but I think the key for marriage, you have to compare it to a partnership. It's about complementary skills. You know, you're, uh, you're good with people. Maybe she's not. You're good with numbers. Maybe she's not. You know, you're, you're a terrible driver, but maybe she's great. 
you have to complement each other. You know, that's the key of, of a great partnership and marriage should be like that. So, but that's ahead. where, but that's where I think a lot of the issues come from, because just like you're talking about dating, when you first meet a girl, if you're very strict and organized and very regimented, this girl is like free spirited and she wants to just go with the flow. You're like, oh my God, this is amazing. She balances me out. She's also saying the opposite. Oh my God, he's going to help me get my life together. All of this, right? Yeah. Those same things that attracted you to each other are the things that you're going to be fighting about once that love, that initial love wears out. Because Those you're like, God damn it, why can't you just be more organized? <laughs> why can't you just, you know, go with the flow? So I think it's the same thing in partnership. The things that but you have complement each have other. You have to pick your poison. Dude. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, agree. No, nobody's perfect. No partnership is perfect. But where I was going with that, that we got lost. It, it got fun though. Uh, is that you don't have to be best friends with your partner. Yeah. And some, a lot of people picture a great partnership like, oh, we're going to be best friends forever, dude. I mean, we're going to talk all day. We're going to go to the gym together. Yeah. We're going to go out together on the weekends. And if you do that, then that's where the problem begins yeah. because you're going to get sick of each other real quick. So it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, a, a, a best friend forever type of deal, but it has to be something that works in the long term, you know, and values have to be aligned and, and mission have to be aligned. So I would bet on partnerships way more than ideas. Ideas change, you know, all the time. So, and uh, understanding the, um, the now and the what's coming. For example, uh, when you, I mean, most of the deals, if you, if you see what I've done are on the consumer side. And consumer has a lot to do with brands. Uh, what was happening with social media and branding in the 2012, 13, you know, with all this trend, that had to be noted, you know? And a lot of people didn't note it, didn't notice it, uh, and they failed, you know? But when you have brands, you have to create a story, you know, you, you're in, in mm -hmm. photography and video, so you, you, you know what, what's up. So in consumer industry, that's very important, you know? And to see the potential in brands is probably something that, you know, it's, a, it's an art. You know what I mean? So, so where does, you know, you kind of mentioned earlier that you've always had this DNA blood in you. Where do you think that came from? Is that something that you were just purely born with? Or was it something that maybe your parents cultivated in you? If so, how? I think that the combination between my mom and my dad is probably what made it. I mean, my mom... God bless her. She's, she's a, she's a dreamer, you know, nothing's wrong with anything. You can do whatever you want. Nothing's wrong. We'll figure it out. You know, go with the flow. She doesn't care about anything. My dad is completely opposite, like super strict, you know, very organized, very disciplined. So I guess the discipline from my dad and the curiosity and, and free spirit from my mom combined is probably where I got it from. I mean, I've always, and what do they do? Uh, my mom used to be a banker for a while. Uh, and my dad is in the oil industry. Okay. Yeah. They're both, they're almost retired already, but you know, no, no business background per se. Um, but I don't know, since I was little, I was trading, you know, used, uh, tennis balls at school and selling baseball cards, you know, always wheeling and dealing. Nice. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, but at the end of the day, everything's learned, you know, I wasn't the most outgoing when I was little at all. I mean, I would consider myself shy and, and not very social, but then moving here, on my own, you know, my parents stay in Venezuela. That taught me a lot. Like I have to. So know. how old were you when you came here? Probably 18. And you came by yourself? Yeah. Holy crap. We came for Christmas and they're like, you're not, you know, you're not going back. I'm like, what do you mean? My girlfriend. I love her. You know, first love. <laughs> they're like, no, no, no. You got to call her and then you're not coming back. I'm like, oh my God. I, you know, I was going to die. And they went back. My brother was finishing high school too. So that was it. I had to grow up. 
probably rough for a while, but it taught me a lot. I mean, uh, and I'm grateful that it, that because right now the country is just yeah crumbled. You know, yeah, and well, especially when you look back, you realize that the, that one decision set you up for the type of life that you, your family, your kids have today. That you go, man, 100. You know, that's that's when you know your parents know more than you. You know, yeah. so yeah, that was great. Now that we have kids, you know, you start remembering all the things your parents did for you. And that you didn't care at all. You didn't even think about it. And now you're, you know, criando your kids. Right. And you're like, oh. This and then you say that one thing that you used to hate your parents said. And you're like, oh, oh my God. God I just came dead. out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. But you think about that. And sometimes I'm, I'm taking care of my kids. And you love them so much, you know. And, and you, you want them to stay a little forever. And then you remember when I was little, that's how my parents used to feel. And you're like, damn, I got to call them more, you know, because you become so uncomfortable. Completely changes your perspective, right? Like 100%. You go, there's so much stuff crazy. that you start understanding, decisions, all of that. All and of that. Planning, you know, future, like, so yeah, it's crazy. The other day I was um, talking with Carlos, who's the owner of Powerful Yogurt here in Miami too. And we were talking about that, like, how do you raise your kids to kind of stay with that hunger that yeah. you had growing up, right? Because they're kind of being born into a much better life than the one you had. So how do you, but that hunger is what drove you to do some of the things that you did and develop some of that personality. So how do you cultivate that? And one of the things that came to mind is a quote that I heard once of, you know, we always try to give our kids what we didn't have instead of teaching them what they didn't teach us. That's great. You know, that's and it's deep. just like, it makes you like, it makes you think about like, that's right, man. Like that's it's right. so easy to get caught up in like trying to get, man, I didn't get the pair of shoes when I was little, so I'm going to buy, you know, 27 pairs of shoes. And you're <laughs> you're ruining the kid. Like, it's let true. them figure it out for themselves. Yeah, it's about the lessons, you know. <clears throat> what so. are some of, you know, the people, obviously your parents, mm. but anybody else in your life that you felt played a, a key role in your life? Maybe other mentors, people that really influenced you to become who you are today? I have a theory with mentors. Probably not a lot of people hear this often. I don't believe in, in a mentor for life. I think it's, it's bullshit. I mean, I think it's just an idea that people create, you know, and they're always looking, oh, but I didn't have the mentor. Dude, mentors don't last 40 years. Like, that's not even your dad is going to be, you know, <laughs> like, you, you know, you call your dad once a week, you know, like, like you know, and, and if, he, if your parents are not doing what you do, like, for example, my parents don't have a business background, you know, I call my dad with my problems and he's going to be like, what are you doing? You know, you, you know, that's wrong. Like, he's not going to understand, right. you know, so mentors exist but mentors are they change with time they don't have to be people i mean if you read good books those are mentors too mm -hmm. like you're, you're talking to somebody that you know did what you want to do you know what i mean yeah. so i think i believe more in great friendships i mean sometimes we have the you know the luck to be to meet people that are doing something related to what we're doing that are open and willing to help. You know what I mean? For example, now with, with this show, you're talking to entrepreneurs and people that are doing crazy stuff. And that's, that's being a mentor too. I mean, you're, you're getting info from me for free. You know, I could charge for this. Everybody that sits here in this chair could exactly. charge for their info, you know? So even this podcast could be mentorship for somebody. Right. So it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody, you know, it can be a podcast, it can be a book, it could be a few friends, you know, and, and they'll start bearing, you know, with, with whatever you're doing and, and changing in time. So I don't really believe in it. I mean, so if it's not people, are there any, 
what are some things in your life that you like defining moments in your life, whether maybe it was a book or maybe it was something that you heard or somebody that you met, a friendship, some somebody or something that you feel like, man, this had such an amazing impact in my life that it helped me look at life in a different way. Or, you know, like what I'm trying to get at is there's always that one moment in life. There's a, I mean, I would say a series of there's moments. a few. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my first boss was probably one of the most the most persuasive people I've met in my life. You know, and, and I learned a lot from him, how to persuade people, you know, how to sell something. And and that's probably more more important than than mentors is defining what you don't want to be. You know, you don't want to be greedy. You don't want to be a dick. You know, you, you want to be uh, somebody that that people want to hang out with, you right. know. And in business, it's hard because business is so hardcore. You know, it's black and white. It's me or you. So if you think about long term in the long game, you want people to want to do business with you. Mm. It's going to open more doors, you know? So sometimes you can't take it all, rather take half, but you know, that's the smart play, you know, in the long you game. You got to play the long game. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, and I mean, if I can recommend something right now, always learn. I mean, listen to podcasts, read books, read magazines. I mean, I've, I've gotten probably, I think DOG, I got that idea from The Prophet. Looking at that show, I remember when it that started, show. They had like a dog. It was an old guy thing. that was yeah. a douchebag, you know. <clears throat> that was light bulb. Uh, LA and New York was booming in those industries. The avocado deals that I'm doing, I read that three years ago in The Economist, an article about Colombia signing the TLC with the US. And one of the pieces of the article, they talked about avocados. Um, even the play in Bacalar, Tulum. I went with my wife to Tulum. And I'm curious. And I was like, call one of my friends that's from Yucatan. I met him here in Miami. And I'm like, dude, we should buy a small hotel in Tulum. He's like, bro, the money there was made already. The next play is here. Okay, let's go. Three months later, we're there, you know, staying at, stayed at a three-room hotel. It's crazy. All the hotels are three <laughs> or four rooms. That's when you know, you know, there's an right. opportunity. Um, but yeah, always try to get informed. Always connect with people, similar right. interests. And I'm reading all day, every day, books, articles, newspapers, you know, that's what I do. What are some of the books, your favorite books of all time? My favorite book is Startup Nation. Startup it's, Nation. Have you read that? I think so. It's a white book and I'm, I'm Catholic, but it's the story of how Israel was born and how it became. Oh, no, I was thinking about something else. I was thinking about another one. That book <clears throat> changed me because that's when you realize, I mean, the book taught me, and this is a story that's been told a thousand times, but. Whatever you want to do, you can do it. You know, belief is irresistible. I mean, if you really believe in something, it's going to happen. It's going to take time. You're going to have to change your mind. It's going to, the idea is going to evolve. But the most important thing for, for an idea to blossom is just belief, it's conviction, you know? And, this, and that book was just over and over and over. And I'm like, wow, I mean, this is just incredible. You know, like, you can do whatever you want. It's just a matter of conviction. So definitely number one book. I love that book. I've read it like five times. And podcasts, dude. I mean, nowadays there's no excuse. You're in your car, yeah. you're walking, you know, there's just no excuse. You know, yeah. all the information you want is online. So yeah, it's it's always um I was talking with my brother uh, a few days ago and I was like, man, like would if some some of these like incredibly, you know, rich, successful people gave you the opportunity to shadow them for a year or a week. You know you're going to waste a lot of time because they're going to be eating and they're going to be in a meeting that you can be in and all that stuff. But you'd, you'd still take it. You'd still be like, yes, 
but you're not willing to read the book. Exactly. Like, what the hell? And where no. they're con- like they're con- concentrating we- like 40 years of life. You're not willing to read that, but you're <laughs> come on, man. And besides that, if you spend a day with them, you're not gonna learn what you learn just listening to their podcast yeah. or or reading their book because everything's gonna be summarized yeah. there. So it's just exactly. You mentioned that since you were a little kid, you were like selling things here at school and this and that. How has life turned out differently for you than what you maybe pictured earlier on? Well, to be completely honest, I still don't know what I want to do. I mean, now with kids, you have more responsibility. Something that, that honestly, somebody told me this when I was in college. Take the risk before you have kids. So after you get married and have kids, it's a whole other game. Mm-hmm. And they were right. I mean, I took so much risk and I got in so much trouble these last 10 years. That now that I have kids, I'm like, okay, I learned, made a few good bets, made a few terrible bets, but I wouldn't do, I wouldn't take those chances again. Um, but I still don't know what I want to do. I mean, I like investing. I like selling. I think I got my real estate license like a year, year and change. And I've done pretty good. I think that's probably that I'm going to pursue that for a little bit longer, but I still don't know what the fuck am I going to do? You know? <laughs> And that's what's fun about it too. Yeah. So you're enjoying yeah. the journey. Exactly. So I'm having fun and, and let's see, let's see what happens. I like you know? it. Yeah. One, what's one piece of advice that you would give yourself 10 years ago? A ver, I would be, I've changed a lot. That's probably, I was too soft at the beginning of my career. How so? I mean, I believe too much in people. Like I wasn't, devil's advocate as much as I should have been. Okay. Um, I would have picked better partners. Um, I mean, I, I would have, the, the only way of learning, even if I told myself, even I, if I listened to this podcast 10 years ago, you probably wouldn't have believed yourself. <laughs> exactly. So I would have done the same things I did. And, and, you know, because at the end of the day, that's how you learn, you know, yeah. trying stuff and making mistakes and getting in trouble. So nothing. Just be yourself and so, just freaking go. So flip side, if if you came back from 10 years from now, what piece of advice do you think you need to get right now? That you're not going to believe because obviously you're not, you're going <laughs> to. Well, you know, you always have fears, you know, like for example, and I'm sure like before uh, you started the show and everything you do, everybody has fears, dude. Even yeah. The Rock, you know, with massive size, super successful. That guy's shitting his pants all the time like we yeah. are, you know? So that's probably a lesson that's going to, you know, it could be 10, 20 years from now, stop having fear. Things will fall into its place and just follow your intuition a little bit more. What, what do I want to do in the next 10 years? I want to probably start my own venture capital firm, um, start my own brokerage, real estate brokerage, develop Mr. Ventures into something profitable. You know, I spent two years working on that persona, that branding. The reason why I created Mr. Ventures was because I was at a low, low point two years ago. I mean, a lot of problems with Baru, you know, uh, life was going business-wise, uh, not going where I wanted, where I pictured it. So I'm like, dude, I got it. Something has to change, you know? Like, first of all, me tengo que desahogar de alguna manera. So I started the blog. I started doing lives once a week on Instagram. And I was talking about entrepreneurship and fear and failure and all these things. And people started... Um, reacting to it very positively. So then, you know, I started writing and writing and writing and Mr. Venters became for me what I want it to be. 
So what does this guy, what do I want to be? I want to be a guy that takes risk. You know, uh, it's empathetic to people that are trying, you know, the business guy, you know, always looking for adventure, you know, all these things that you, when you write it down, it starts, you know, staying with you, you know, and you kind of start acting the way that, you know, you, you think you want to be. So, right. and that's where I, why I did it. So I started interviewing some entrepreneurs, you know, started the real estate podcast with the multifamily investor. And it's been two years, it's been great. Uh, but still, you know, I always wanted to give a conference, but then what am I going to talk about? Like, do people really want to hear what I have to say? <laughs> and that's what, you know, you probably There's have to fear. say. There's yeah, that fear, right? It's fear, but it's like, so, and you talk to some friends, they're like, of course, dude, you have so much to say, you know, so many lessons. I'm like, but really? Like, you know, yeah. you're, you're like, you believe it, but you don't. So yeah, probably start it's an my, imposter syndrome. Exactly. Yeah. That, I love that because a lot of successful people are, are still imposters, yeah. you know, and, and you think they're not, but yeah. they deep inside. They and are. nine times out of 10, if you're in a boardroom meeting, you, f you think you're the only one that feels like, why like, what am, am I, I in this room? Here? And yeah. everybody's feeling the same way. 100%. <laughs> So, Once yeah. you realize that it, you know, you go, yeah, okay, cool. Whatever, right. dude. I'm not, I'm not the, the worst one here, you know? Probably the second worst, but not right. the worst. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, just follow your intuition, dude, and, and start taking action, you know? And people underestimate how much um, impact small actions have. Mm. Like, for example, you want to have, you want to be the, the biggest podcast in Miami. And the only way to get there, keep doing this yeah. every week, you know, like everybody else. So... Just take action, follow your heart, your intuition, and nobody, nobody cares, you know, yeah. just do your thing. So, you know, I find it very interesting that the story of why you started Mr. Ventures, I think that says a lot about who you are, that where, when you were in this dark moment, your mind went to like, all right, I, what do I need to do to get myself out of this? As opposed to, well, look at me, pity me. This is life. This is what it's, you figured out, okay, I need to shock the system somehow. I need to shock myself, myself. into a better exactly. version of myself. So I find that very interesting. Yeah. That, and, and I've never said that before. Actually, this is, this is primicia, you wow. know, because nobody has asked, like the way you asked me, it, it took me there. So yeah, that, that's the reason why. I mean, you can ask my wife, like, dude, you gotta do something. Like you can't keep being like this, you know, like your pity version, like you're better. Yeah. All right. So let's switch into Miami rapid fire. Okay. So I'm just going to throw out a few different questions about Miami living and you throw out the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Favorite food spot and dish. Mandolin in uh, Upper Buena Vista. Love that place. Uh, the lamb chops. They're, they're, they're amazing. Recommended a hundred percent. All right. hundred percent. Favorite way to spend a Miami weekend. With or without kids? Give me both. Well, before kids, I love going to the beach. I mean, I would just pick a hotel and just go and spend the afternoon there. I mean, if you're in Miami and you don't like the beach, you know, you're, you're over it. Before, when I was younger, I would love to go to the Al Bajo ahí in the boats, the parties, you know, Saturdays, Sundays. That was crazy. Yeah. Dude. Um, nowadays with kids, I mean, we go to the park in Coconut Grove, museum, you know, it's just pool that's that's the fun stuff now uh and you start getting older you don't want to go out that much <laughs> you want to go to dinner because the kids are going to wake up at six, at, the, next at six morning, so in the morning like <laughs> so better be home by 10 uh yeah so everything changes but no i love a, a good dinner you know some drinks but i'm an early bird now i party way too much before so i'm over it 
If you're stuck in Miami traffic, I think you kind of answered this, but what are you listening to? Either I'm listening to the jazz station, which I love. The I think it's 88.9, is it? 89.8, something like that. Or podcast, you know? I, I don't love listening to books. I like reading them. Hmm. I like the actual book. I don't like the Kindle. I don't like them. Pretty old school for that, yeah. But podcast, I mean, a great podcast is just a way, time to... What are the ones that you mostly listen to? I listen to Andy Frisella. Okay. The MF CEO. I think he finished it. He announced that he was not doing it anymore. The best part about that guy, I saw him at the Hard Rock. I went to see Gary V. Right? Agent 21, huh? Yeah. Agent yeah. 21. Yeah. What year? Probably two years ago, three yeah. years ago. And Andy was there. And I like yeah. Andy better than Gary. Andy was super authentic. And I love that about him. We did all the photo, photo booths and video. No for way. Those things. Oh, man. Remember that year when Andy was there that they had like the social walls that you could put up like People were taking photos. And yeah. We did all of that, oh, all great. the photography. There was nobody there either. Yeah. Like they took the whole stadium. There was like, I don't know. Like, Fucking amazing. Yeah. And the guy from Million, Million Dollar yeah. Listen was there. Ryan. Yeah. Ryan. Whatever Ryan, his name yeah, is. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, I like the story where he's like, I am the, the most expensive speaker in the entrepreneurship circuit in the US. What made you the most expensive one? And he's like, because I hate speaking in public. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> Where's this going, you know? It's like, so I said, if you want me to speak in public, how much does Gary Vee charges? I don't know, 30, 40, 50 grand. Okay, I'll charge 100 grand. So nobody calls me. So whoever wants me to speak, for 100 grand, I'll go. I'll do 10 a year, uh, but I don't want to do it all the time. And that's how he, the first time he gets paid, that's how you become the most expensive speaker in the US. Somebody paid him 100 grand. Now I'm the most expensive one. Now everybody wants me. You know, right. that's how people work. And I love that because that tells you what's the key to life. What's your value? You put your own yeah. value, you know, you put your own worth. So I love that story about him. Any other podcasts that you're listening to? Tony Robbins okay. interviews people that are great. I mean, that guy, you know, the reach, it's just incredible. I listen to some real estate ones. Grant Cardone, it's a very entertaining guy you know an entertainer that's what makes social media uh hard to you know climb if you're not entertaining nobody cares yeah. you know so just for you know for ideas i listen to to grant just for to see how he acts what he says you know yeah it's pretty much i mean i go through a lot of them yeah, but of course those are the top three favorite thing about living in, in brickle mobility I mean, now you can get a scooter, you can go everywhere. You know, I, I come to city center all the time. I love Pasión de Cielo. Sometimes I just sit there, get a coffee and listen to a podcast and do like if I'm working, I'm not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, any other businesses or entrepreneurs or people in Miami that you want to show a little bit of love to? That they're doing awesome things. Um, Louis from Winwood Brewery. Okay. That guy, great guy to, to talk to. There's a lot of, Inside on, on Miami and business. Otto from Pincho, great partner, great friend. Anything that we didn't touch on that you maybe want to share with the listeners or anything that we didn't speak about that you want to bring light to? I want to congratulate you because this is a great idea. I mean, this is great. And the, the variety of people that you're, that you're interviewing is going to make the show great. Thanks, so man. I wanted to... Props. Let's let's give some love to you know the you. hardcore entrepreneurs and, and and that's what it's all about trying stuff. Well, I mean, you know, the thing the the idea for it was, and I've shared this with many people before, is 
obviously I know everybody's starting a podcast. And it, it was one of those things that kind of kept me for a while. Like, man, everybody's starting a podcast. I'm just going to be another one and this and that. And a friend of mine told me, listen, you don't do things just because everybody else is doing them, right? But you also don't not do things just because everybody else is doing them. And if it's the right thing for you to do, even though everybody's doing it, go for it. Exactly. And what I realize is everybody's trying to do a podcast and interview the same people. Everybody wants to have a Gary Vaynerchuk. Everybody wants to have a Tony Robbins. Everybody wants to have all of these people, right? Man, there's so much cool stuff happening in Miami. So a much lot. badass people a doing lot. stuff in Miami. Who's showing that? Exactly. You know? Yeah. So No, and besides, remember that, I mean, people that make it in the long term are not brands that are attached to just one platform. So podcast is just a platform. Mm -hmm. I mean, but Miami Creators is a brand. Yeah. And that's how you got to think about it. Yeah. You know, you're going to eventually do videos. You're eventually going to have TikTok. Eventually you're going to have YouTube, you know, or, like so. Or conferences or whatever. It's yeah. a brand, yeah. you know, it's not a podcast. It's yeah. a brand. That's how, that's how it's different, you know, from a podcast. Anything else that you want to touch on that we didn't touch on? No, I mean, I encourage people to take risk. Uh, remember that everybody has fears and you're not the only one. Even right now, you and I are sitting here and we're full of fears. And anyways, we go through it and, and we push along. So just go follow your intuition and go and do your own shit. That's it. Good luck venturing. This was Mr. Venters. What's the best way to, for people to get in touch with you, find out more about what you have going on? The um, mic is yours. Well, I mean, I was, I'm, a, I'm a little lost from social media these last few months, but reach out through social media. That's what a seven-month-old will do to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So many sleepless nights. I don't work out anymore. I don't record <laughs> anymore. Oh, my God. Now, uh, reach out through Instagram, uh, Mr. Underscore Ventures. DM me if you have a cool idea, if you need advice, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm always down for coffee with entrepreneurs, so I'm open. Awesome, awesome. Hector, thank you so much. Thank you. Hey guys, this is Corrado again. Two quick things before you take off. One, remember that you can find detailed show notes for every single episode at MiamiCreators.com. And two, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share this with someone you think would find it interesting. That's it. Until next time, thank you for listening.